Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. And this week, talking about A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark. And each week, as usual, I'll be sharing the three big ideas from the best nonfiction books that I've been reading and doing the reading so you don't have to. This week, it is the book A Promised Land by Barack Obama. It's a book I was very excited about getting my bookish mitts on and reading. It's also the first of some of the bigger books that I'm going to be tackling in 2021 because this year is the year of reading fewer books, but some bigger books. Because what I've found over the last couple of years is that I have avoided some of the bigger, thicker books because I've wanted to read more books and get that higher number on my scorecard on Goodreads that tracks my reading challenge. So this year I've decided to drop back my total number of books I'm looking to read to 40 so that I can give myself the time and space to enjoy and get into some of these bigger books. And this one was a big one. It's 760-ish pages, I believe of two parts, or certainly there is a second part coming. Who knows how many parts there will end up being though, but certainly in terms of the memoirs of the presidency years of Obama, this is the first of apparently two parts. So I'm very excited about the second part coming out because I thoroughly enjoyed this book, even though it did take me a whole about three, three and a half weeks to read. It was well worth it. Just a quick reminder before we get into it, If you haven't already subscribed to the bookmark newsletter, then maybe you should or certainly consider it. I've included a link in the show notes. And if you are interested in receiving the latest of book reviews, book ideas, or things to be reading and listening to every fortnight in your inbox, then this would be the newsletter for you. Equally, if you are inspired to read any of the books that I have been talking about in the podcast and you'd like to support the podcast at the same time, head over to the show notes or to the website stephsbusinessbookshelf.com and you can find the affiliate links to the book depository and bookshop.org, depending on which country you're in, to support the podcast with your next book purchase at no extra cost to you. Right, before we get into the three big ideas, here's a little bit more about the book and, as if you need it, a little bit about the author. A riveting, deeply personal account of history in the making, from the president who inspired us to believe in the power of democracy. In the stirring, highly anticipated first volume of his presidential memoirs, Barack Obama tells the story of his improbable odyssey from young man searching for his identity to a leader of the free world, describing in strikingly personal detail both his political education and the landmark moments of the first term of his historic presidency, a time of dramatic transformation and turmoil. A Promised Land is extraordinarily intimate and introspective, the story of one man's bet with history, a faith of a community organiser tested on the world stage. Obama is candid about the balancing act of running for office as a black American, bearing the expectation of a generation buoyed by the message of hope and change, and meeting the moral challenges of high stakes decision making. A little bit about the author. It just feels ridiculous to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Barack Obama was the 44th president of the United States, elected in November 2008 and holding office for two terms. He is the author of two previous New York Times bestselling books, Dreams from My Father and The Audacity of Hope, and the recipient of the 2009 Nobel Peace Prize. He lives in Washington, D.C. with his wife, Michelle, and they have two daughters, Malia and Sasha. Both of those little extracts were taken from Penguin Books. Link in the show notes if you'd like to find out more. All right, let's get into it. The three big ideas I took from A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Big idea number one, the best answer won't be perfect. 
There are countless examples in the book of the hard policy, people and political decisions that Obama needed to make. And what came up every time was the messiness of getting to an answer. Even things that to many of us seem like a no-brainer, such as free healthcare or certainly more affordable healthcare, turned into painful, watered-down versions of the original vision. But they move things forward. In other situations, such as the complex situations in Iraq, Afghanistan and the global financial crisis, all options seem to balance on the bad side. But as President, Obama had to make decisions on the least bad and the optics versus reality. And a good example of the that optics versus reality of the financial crisis was the fact that it didn't appear that the those in charge of the banks had been punished or suitably punished as to what the public or most of the general public would have wanted. However, in the book, it talks about well, the, the complexities of that. And if they had gone down some of the routes that some people would have liked to have seen, what the impact would have been then on the future of banking and the future of some of the financial services industry. And as someone who probably did think that people didn't get the or weren't held accountable enough to some of those situations that happened in 2008, 2009, reading this and reading his account of why they did particularly choose to punish or not punish or seemingly not punish people was really interesting and did make me think differently about, oh, okay, that is why they made the decision. Whilst it didn't look optically good actually in the background, and when you think about the longer term consequences, it did seem to make some sense as frustrating as that may feel. Obama was particularly good at sitting with the grey, being able to hear different sides and actively seeking out Republican views and, and people to collaborate with across the aisle but you could certainly feel the immense frustration that the system forced on good ideas. What it did show in several cases that he could hold opposing views on a subject and sometimes quite strongly opposing views on a subject and hold them in a position of balance and in a position of being able to understand, hear and respond to those different perspectives. And he did this by talking to people. He did this by building relationships, which we'll talk about as we go through. There was a quote in the book that I quite liked that summed this up quite nicely was, I didn't like the deal, but in what was becoming a pattern, the alternatives were worse. And that was in particular around the Afghanistan decision around whether to send more troops in or, or start to pull back when he had promised to pull people back. But actually it required, or certainly the advice he got was that it required more people to go in in the short term in order to be able to pull back and leave with a more sustainable future for the Afghan people. So that's big idea number one, the best answer won't be perfect. Big idea number two, know your values. There were many examples where Obama, when faced with hard decisions, had to come back to three things or ended up coming back to three things. First one being what he had promised whilst campaigning. The second being what was actually true. And that might be from a scientific perspective or just purely from a facts perspective. And number three, what his friends and family would say or think, especially his mum and his grandma, who he held in great regard and was incredibly close to. He often came back to think about what would the impact of them on them have been if he had made those decisions or if those things had been in place earlier on, would that have made their lives easier? And what would they be saying about the decision he had to make about certain situations? These were also the, the points that he would judge himself against. And he actively kept some of those things front of mind so that he wouldn't lose sight of them. For example, like visiting the military hospital where wounded soldiers were treated and even attending some repatriation services after a particularly high loss of American life. He was actually criticised by some, by some people for doing that, by putting himself too close to some of the trauma of war. He pushed back on that and said, 
well, no, I need to keep these things in mind because I need to understand what is the true real cost to our American people of going to war. And pretending that isn't the case will not help his, or wouldn't, he felt it would not help his judgment. So this constant revisiting and evaluation of what was most important and at a very human level was really his yardstick with throughout his life, not just through his presidency. It also allowed him to critically assess what was wrong and the mistakes of the past, his own and also America's, and challenge the status quo. There were many things that in the book he is very open about, he thought was a ridiculous way of doing things or something that should have been relegated to the past. And some of those things that he did actually look to change. And it's interesting because whilst the book is very much the memoir of his first term of as president, it's also a lot around, probably half of the book is about his career, well, his life before his political career and then how he got into politics. And you can see some of these things starting to evolve over time and then become more and more obvious as he moves into the presidency and starts to have to bring them out and lean on them a lot more often because and in and in much bigger ways. And it's really interesting to see how no matter how big the decision, it always comes back to these core ideas or these key values that he had and and particularly around what he had promised and, and what was true and then what other people would think, particularly those closest to him, about the situation. So that's big idea number two, know your values. Big idea number three is surround yourself with good people. Politics aside, this book is really about relationships and the people who mattered most to Obama and have helped him become who he is, from his family to his early friends and mentors to those that he held his time in office with. I especially enjoyed reading about the friendships he had with his closest aides and team members, the basketball games, the long car journeys and the general banter. Humour was definitely another key feature of Obama is his personality, but also his presidency and his relationship building, his values. The, the other thing that was interesting is, is not just the relationships he had with those closest to him who he'd grown up with or had worked with for a long time, but his ability to build and sometimes rebuild relationships with people like Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, who had run against him in the Democratic nomination race. And in the process of doing that, as it tends to be, they all had to say things against each other and question each other's either integrity or ability or experience or whatever it was to, to hold that particular position. Ultimately, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton obviously became very close aides to him and hugely important parts of his administration. But a decent percentage of this book is actually made up of his descriptions of others, both generous and not so much, and the praise of their roles, or not so much. I definitely felt a bit of a tinge of sadness when he talks about some of the loneliness of being president, particularly earlier on, and how you know, things, little things like people stopped calling him Barrack, they started calling him Mr. President, even people who he'd worked with on the campaign trail when he was a senator years before. And also when people moved on, and particularly those who he'd worked with in that first campaign and getting the Democratic nomination, then ultimately becoming president, who he'd been very close to and had been such important parts of his, his role and his life. And then, of course, you can't talk about the people around him and the people who he surrounds himself with without mentioning the incredible Michelle Obama. And in the book, he talks, Obama talks, Barack Obama talks regularly about Michelle's role and the impact of his presidency on their relationship and family life. And also the challenges and the self-doubt that he had around even taking the role and how selfish it might have been or why the, or the his worries about the impact on the children or his, and obviously the family more generally. 
But the pride and respect he has for Michelle is is tangible throughout the book. And he talks at length about the impact that she had through some of the health initiatives that she was driving and the work with younger people that she was doing to inspire them to, to do more and be more. There was a quote that summed this up really nicely and how he started to make some of those decisions and, and overcome some of the challenge of the impact that him running for president, never mind actually becoming president, could have on the family. He said, the time chooses you. Either you seize what may turn out to be the only chance you have, or you decide that you're willing to live with the knowledge that the chance has passed you by. Which is a great reminder that sometimes, yes, timing isn't perfect and the implications of a decision might be great, but is that as great as living with the knowledge that the chance has passed you by? So that's big idea number three, surround yourself with good people. So there we go. The three big ideas from the book, A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Number one, the best idea won't be perfect. Number two, know your values. And number three, surround yourself with good people. I really enjoyed the book. And look, I definitely was a fan of Barack Obama originally, largely aligned with a lot of his political views and and just values and ways of doing things and ways of being. So I was really interested to find out a little bit more about how he ticks, because obviously the the person you see presented or represented in the press or whatever is not always clearly a representation of the person. So reading his thoughts and his ideas and how he made decisions was such an eye-opener. And I really particularly enjoyed the this piece on the decision-making and the piece on how does he balance what seems to be a perfectly rational decision or certainly for, for many people would seem like a perfectly rational decision with those fighting against it and sometimes for no great reason other than not wanting him to succeed and just the frustration with that and also how he had maintained the hope that he had gone into the presidency or certainly into politics with that he could make a change and make the difference again, when faced with a system that doesn't always allow for that to, to, to happen. As someone who has spent quite a bit of time in the US but doesn't really fully understand the, the complexities of the political system, this was also a really interesting book. And I think he did a really good job of going into enough detail without it being completely bamboozling when you're talking about you know, why things were the way they were, the original, the, sometimes the origins of certain positions or certain things that had to happen and maybe the more interesting part of the outcomes rather than necessarily the mechanics of what needs to happen or what did happen. But I definitely learned a little bit more about American politics from reading the book as well. And if you think it is a book about politics, yes, I mean, obviously the context is politics, but it really is a book about leadership and it is a book about humans and human relationships and human behavior and the frustrations of that and the realities of that and everything, the the messiness of humanity, I think is probably a great way of summing up what this book is really about. So as you can probably tell, I'm pretty excited about part two coming out. The the hard thing about that though, is you know how it ends, which I think in some ways is harder to read because you're kind of shouting at the pages going, no, no, I know what happens. So yeah, looking forward to part two, which is the, which will be the the re-election and then the second term that he serves. If you've read the book, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What stood out to you? What jumped out in terms of the leadership lessons, the life lessons, the decision-making lessons, all of the rest that you could you could take from the book? Contact details as usual in the show notes. And of course, if you do choose to purchase this book and read it off the back of this podcast, I'd love for you to head over to my affiliate sites with Book Depository or bookshop.org to buy your copy. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading. <laughs>